Welcome to the FootballCoachesCorner.com podcast, where football coaches come to collaborate. Today's podcast, we're going to reach into our mailbag. This is Mark Holcomb with the Football Coaches Corner podcast. We appreciate those of you who have reached out through us through our email or through our Twitter. We've got a lot of questions. I'm going to try to go over some. I can't promise that I'll go over all of them, but we're going to dive right in and spend some time with you answering your questions. If you have any questions, you can email us at fbcoachescorner at gmail.com or feel free to send us a direct message through our Twitter, and that's at fbcoachescorner. Uh, question number one, and some of these questions came in a few days ago and some of them a few weeks ago, but I wanted to get as many as possible right now. Uh, the first one is, uh, in one of our podcasts, we talked about not running a lot of RPOs off of our GT counter. And so uh, one of our listeners reached out and asked the question, why do we not like to run RPOs off of our GT counter? Well, one of the things that we've uh, come to learn over the past few years with running uh, RPOs is you got to do as an effective job as you can of uh, protecting your quarterback from C-gap to C-gap as much as possible. And what we found out was trying to uh, you know pull guard and tackle both uh, left that backside end a lot of times. A uh, guy that you would read on a zone read or a read if you were uh, you know pulling guard and tackle and reading for the quarterback to run. Uh, you know the, the quarterback might be able to get the ball off, but he, you know he's going to take. Uh, some undue hits, and it's just something that we don't like to do. So uh, we've invested a little more time the past few years with a counter, uh, running counter with our H-back, so what what a lot of people call GH counter. Uh, and we feel like that that protects us from that backside C-gap, gives our quarterback a little bit more confidence if he has to hold the ball you know, a little bit longer and uh, takes away a lot of those shots that our quarterback was taking. And uh, we want to just make sure that we protect him, and that way he feels comfortable. We don't want the quarterback to worry every time we call counter uh, that he knows somebody could be coming from his backside or somebody could be in his face quick as soon as he throws the ball. So just uh, gives him a little more confidence, helps him with his read, helps slow things down a little bit for him. Uh, we've also kind of messed with basically running a play that uh, a lot of people just call long trap. So we'll block everything on the front side of counter just like we normally would we would pull our guard, and our guard would end up kicking out just like he normally would on counter, but the tackle would just stay at home. Uh, now, we do have to adjust our blocking scheme a little bit to get the front side linebacker with our front side down blockers, but uh, that's also something that we've done, just adding a tag word to keep that tackle at home to let him know, and we use that same tag word actually when we uh, pull our H back. So. It seems to you know work work a little bit together, but that's just one of the reasons. I know there are a lot of people out there that still run RPOs off of a GT counter and have a lot of success, but uh, just something that we've learned over the past few years that we want to keep our quarterback as as clean as possible. So, uh, question number two, and uh, hopefully, guys, some some of you guys had a chance to uh, watch our uh, Zoom meeting the other night with Coach Brown, but the question was. What is the main difference between your offensive and defensive game planning templates? Now, if, you've, if you have ever visited our website, uh, you know that we have uh, an offensive and a defensive game planning template available on there. And basically, 
your offensive game plan template, uh, you know, is used to script and prepare your call sheet uh, for your upcoming game on Friday night or Thursday night. And what we've done is we've used the same uh, offensive game planning sheet for our JVs pretty much the entire season. So we just copy and paste that every week. We might add a wrinkle here or there, but our scripts are done for us throughout the entire time. So from an offensive standpoint, the game planning template is just the things that we want to do. Uh, go ahead and work on some of our second and third down calls, our goal line calls, our red zone calls. And we've just found that uh, it's the most effective way uh, we've, you know, figured out to game plan, to keep everything, you know, at a limited number of plays, but also to have enough time during our periods of practice to rep those plays. So, uh, for an example, when you finish your, your offensive game planning template, uh, you're going to have a call sheet uh, that's completed for you. All the down and distance stuff is done. Uh, formations, motions, all those things are included in there. Plus, not only that, but you're going to have your scripts done for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, your inside drills, your pass scally drills, uh, you know, any any additional seven-on-sevens that you may have, like it may be a goal line seven-on-seven seven or uh, something of that sort, but you're going to have all of those things already completed and uh, ready for you to go all the way down to your Thursday walkthrough. Uh, so from an offensive standpoint, the template, uh, you know, helps you be as organized as you can, and you can make sure that you're practicing exactly what you're going to call uh, on a Friday night. And Coach Brown made a great point in our Zoom meeting. He said, you know, you don't want to have to sit there on a Friday and worry about uh, going through and making up a call sheet, which is what a lot of coaches do, uh, you know, during class or, or, you know, during the planning period. This call sheet is already done for you, and, uh, you know, everything's uh, ready to go come Friday. Uh, you don't have to worry about spending any extra time with it. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, and, you know, I, as a head coach, I really, really like the defensive game planning template because once you uh, put a couple of reports together through Huddle, which I think, uh, you know, most of us probably use Huddle. I think a lot of teams are now trying to go over to Team Extreme and do some different things there with some of the, uh, you know, analytics that you can use. But once you uh, print a couple of, uh, you know, Huddle uh, reports out, you know, you're pretty much now all you're doing is just uh, filling in your your defensive game planning sheet now you know we do obviously want to do things based on formation find out as many tenants as we can based on hash down and distance you know all those things are done in the uh, game planning template for you uh, once you run those reports it's basically just taking those uh, you know the plays and putting them in your terminology and transferring them over to your game plan sheet uh, once again the nice thing about this is uh, all of your practice scripts are ready to go. Your call sheet on Friday night is ready to go. Uh, you've already done all the breakdown in terms of, you know, what's their run pass percentage on, you know, second and medium, uh, third and medium, third and long. You know, what are they more likely to do? So you've already done that. Plus, you're giving your defensive coordinator a chance to take that call sheet out there and practice during the week and just to kind of, you know, get a feel for the game. So most of the time, I, you know, our, our defense coordinator by Wednesday has a really, really good idea of where the ball's at, which hash it's on, what's the down and distance, and, uh, you know, what's coming from the offense. So it just helps him a lot. Plus, you're always scripted. Now, one thing I will say with both of these call sheets, we do have a day at practice where we just call, you know, we call it play the game, where there's no, there's no script. Uh, I, as the head coach, am calling out the down and distance. 
you know, the offensive coordinator is going to, from our offensive standpoint, is going to call the play. So I just may say, hey, it's second and eight. He's going to call the play. The next play, I may say it's third and two. Uh, I may say it's fourth and one. You got to go. Uh, you know, we may flip back, flip back things all the way through. And, uh, you know, just to, just looking at those two things, uh, you know, I think that helps our, our coaches get a feel of calling those games too. Uh, defensively, we do the same thing with our defensive coaches so that they can get a chance uh, to call those games. And we generally try to do that on Wednesday for them so they're getting a feel for uh, uh, what they're doing. But uh, if you want to take a look at our website and take a look at our YouTube channel, we've, uh, you know, Coach Brown did a Zoom meeting the other night. We had uh, quite a few coaches involved in that, and we taped that and put that up. Plus, we have some uh, informative videos on there about those game planning templates. But if you have any questions, just uh, hit us up on those. Uh, you know, those are a couple of things we have. Uh, let's get to a couple of questions that were uh, brought about this last couple of weeks. Um, one of the things that people want to know about is uh, special teams. You know, how do you implement special teams in your practices? And I think, uh, you know, we try to take a block of time out of practice every day to work on special teams. I, you know, as, as the head coach, I think that uh, punt, PAT, punt return, though, are, those are some, you know, three of the major ones we're going to hit as much as we can during the week. Now, we're in a unique situation where our varsity kickers are also soccer players. So, basically, we get our uh, varsity kickers on Tuesday and during Tuesday, so we have to adjust our practice schedule uh, and get a lot more kicking done, a lot more of the timing and work done. Uh, we work a lot of kickoffs, a lot of punts, a lot of PAT during that time. Uh, but what I would recommend as a coach is I would recommend, you know, if, you, if you're practicing for two hours, I would say take 20 to 25 minutes and, uh, you know, work on some aspect of special teams. This year we took, since we didn't have our kickers every day, we took that time to break down our, uh, our different squads. So, you know, we would work on pump block one day, spend some time on that. The next day we would work on uh, just the front line and what they're doing on the kickoff return team. Uh, the next day we might work, work on just hold up on our punt return. So there's a lot of different things that we did, and we felt like that, uh, you know, that helped us out a lot in terms of, uh, you know, being more successful on special teams. Now we've still got a long way to go in terms of our kicking game, but we did feel like, uh, you know, by practicing those parts of it in practice, you know, people say uh, special teams is a third of the game. Well, you know, if you break the plays down and look at it, it's not really, you know, a third of the game. You're obviously playing more snaps of offense and more snaps of defense. But I would argue that, you know, more bigger plays happen in special teams, more games are changed or the momentum is changed, you know, based on a block kick, uh, could be a block PAT, uh, you know, could be a block punt, a punt return, a uh, return for a touchdown, a kickoff return, turn for a touchdown, you know, an onside kick where, uh, you know, you catch somebody by surprise. So I would, you know, uh, just challenge you to go back and look at some of your bigger plays in your special teams area and just see, uh, you know, how those affected the game, not only the outcome of the game, but the momentum of the game. But I think that's a big one. Um, I had an interesting question. Uh, since we're kind of new at this podcasting business, I guess you would say, uh, somebody asked how hard was it to start uh, our podcast and our website. Um, you know, I don't know if many people know this or not, but you, you know, you 
you make no money off podcasting. I mean, you know, we're we're just starting out now. It's not like we have, you know, sponsors or any of those things. You know, I don't know exactly. Our, our following is is growing every week, and we do appreciate that with our listeners. But you know, there there are many tools out there that you can use to uh, you know record podcasts. That's that's not hard at all. Uh, you know, coming up with content. Our listeners have been really good about giving us you know things feedback about what they want to hear. So I think that that's, you know, part of it too. You need to make sure that you can, you know, get some guests and have some things. You know, you want to be as consistent as possible. Uh, you know, I think this is, I don't know, we're going on maybe our second month of uh, podcasting and trying to, you know, release something consistently every Monday morning. And so there's a little bit of work behind that and, uh, you know, trying to make sure that you, uh, you know, you always have something to talk about. And uh, especially during the time we're going through now where a lot of kids are out of school and, a lot of coaches are out, you know, trying to do some interviews. Um, the expense behind that, you know, really just, you know, a, a podcast catcher. You know, you're talking about anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a month. Uh, the website was a little more extensive. Now, I didn't say expensive, but a little more extensive. Uh, Coach Brown did a lot of our work on our, our uh, website, but we just uh, started a website, had to buy the domain name. And, uh, you know, went through a, a couple of different things and set up a, uh, a service that uh, we use to email everybody when we have an, any announcements or any uh, podcast being released. So, you know, the cost of it is not what you would think. It's You could probably get it going for, uh, you know, under 40 bucks a month, I would say, pretty easily. Uh, the website is the one thing that, uh, that coaches, uh, you know, always working on updating, always working on putting our podcast, our quick clinics and a website is just, you know, what you make it. The more time you spend with it and the, uh, you know, more time you spend updating it and keeping it up to date so that people come there for information, that information is consistent, then I think that's it. So uh, in terms of starting, I would not say it's been that difficult, but just in terms of keeping up with everything, you know, it does take time. Uh, it does take effort. And I would just, to, you know, challenge you to make sure if this is something you want to do. It's something that we talked about for quite a long time before we kind of dove in and try to get a lot of questions answered before we started. But, uh, you know, uh, I enjoy the podcast parts of it. I know uh, we've started going out to some Zoom meetings and doing some other things too and uh, just trying to get some different media, uh, you know, outlets. So I think that's uh, that's part of it too, and I, I, I've enjoyed that uh, also. Um, let's see. Let's go to uh, one of our questions down here at the bottom. Uh, says, do you have a split staff, or does your varsity coach your JVs, and if so, why? Well, um, I've been coaching about 25 years, 27 to be exact, and I'm not sure how many as a head coach. I would say anywhere from 15 to 16, 17, somewhere around there. And I have always felt like uh, your staffs need to be together. Uh, you know, the reason being, you know, obviously we, we don't have a ninth grade team. We're a a 9 through 12 high school, uh, most of our ninth and 10th graders now, since we are full with uh, all, all of our grade levels, most of our ninth and 10th graders are our JV players. You know, obviously, if we have a special ninth grader, 10th grader, he's going to be on the varsity. Uh, and 11th and 12th graders are, are varsity. So we want to make sure that the language that we're talking to our kids is very consistent. So I'm going to coach, you know, not only am I the head coach, but I'm also the offensive line coach. I'm going to coach the JV and the varsity offensive line along with Coach Morrison, who's my assistant. Uh, you know, Coach Mitchell's going to coach the JV and varsity running backs. Coach Brown's going to, you know, 
uh, coach the, the quarterbacks uh, on both levels. Uh, coach Keller on offense is going to coach the receivers on both levels. Coach Creason is going to, you know, coordinate the defense and coach the D-line on both levels. You know, I could go on and name all of our staff, but, you know, the thing about it is we want to make sure that our, our defensive backs, when they're getting coached on the varsity, are hearing the exact same thing as they would when they're on the JV. And, and that language, I think, having a common language and having one person tell you the information, uh, you know, I think that makes things just a little bit better. Plus, I think also when you when you give kids your attention, you know, who are JV kids and ninth graders and 10th graders, and you give them your attention and spend time with them, I think it makes them feel like they're more a part of the program. And that's what we want. You know, we want buy-in from all of our kids, uh, you know, to want to work to the level where, They'll be on the varsity, and they'll be contributing on the varsity. So, uh, you know, I've, I've played against and coached against staffs before that have, uh, you know, run completely different offenses and completely different defenses. Uh, just, ne- you know, and they've been they've been successful. So, you know, I'm not, not not trying to knock anybody, but it's just hard for me to understand that, you know, if my varsity left tackle goes down, you know, my JV left tackle may have to play the very next game, and I need him to know the exact calls everything that we're doing needs to be exactly the same and just that consistent voice all the time in there you know we work together uh to have i have an offensive and a defensive coordinator on the varsity and those guys are closely uh related with our jv team too so i think all of that continuity just helps out and obviously if you don't have a lot of turnover in your staff then i think that that uh, makes things better too so i'm not trying to say there's a right or a wrong way to coach your varsity and your JVs, but I'm just saying that I think, uh, you know, by having myself coach the offensive line and each coach coach their position on the varsity and JV, I think it just makes things uh, uh, a little easier for our kids, and I know it makes things easier on our coaches. Uh, you know, we're blessed to have, you know, a lot of coaches on staff, you know, paid coaches and volunteer coaches, and, you know, we don't want those volunteer coaches just to come and watch. We want those guys to uh, – you know, spend time coaching their position. So, uh, you know, that's the, the long version, I guess, of, uh, uh, of um, an answer to the question. Uh, let's see. had a question. We did an article, Coach Brown did an article, and I did a podcast on zone earlier in the year. And this is probably, uh, probably going to be the last question for today. We've got a couple more that I can get to uh, at a later date. But uh, the question was, you know, we had a, a, the article in the podcast was on the number of variations that we did with our zone run. And so one of the questions we got was, how many variations of zone do you take into a game? Uh, you know, just, you know, kind of spitballing off the top of my head, you know, we run just true zone read. We run split zone uh, where the H-backs all the way across. We run a zone lead where we lock everything and the H-back leads, kind of like an old old school ISO play. Uh, we run zone bluff where, uh, you know, the H-back arcs uh, and the quarterback will read the five technique and it just gives him an extra blocker. Uh, you know, we run a lot of different variations of zone. I would say, you know, we have the ability to run all of these different types of zones, but a lot of the, the number of, you know, the variations that we take in is going to be based on the front we're seeing and basically when we do our scout video checklist and when we see uh, the players that we want to attack, you know, that's going to have a lot to do with it. If we have a, a fast flow 
linebacker who reads you know backfield action pretty quick then we're probably going to take in more of our you know zone game where we lock it and where we read him and throw off of him in our rpo game you know if we feel like there's a linebacker that we can pick on whether he's undersized or you know just doesn't fill his gap real well and doesn't read downhill run uh, then we'll run a little bit more zone lead but i would say uh you know the quick answer is we probably would take uh we're gonna have zone read in every game plan we're gonna have zone smash which is our you know zone h back crossing the formation whatever you you know whatever you want, want to call it divide zone we're gonna take that into every single game so there's two that i know of and then we will probably pick uh you know based on the athletic ability of an in or the uh, ability of a, a linebacker to feel, we'll probably take in either, you know, zone bluff or zone lead. So I would, uh, you know, if I, if I was forced to give an answer, uh, I would say that we probably take in uh, three, you know, zone runs. And the nice thing about a zone scheme is it doesn't change very much for your kids up front. You know, you can add an H, you can add a Y, uh, you can go 10 personnel, uh, you know, those things don't change very much, and we want to keep that as consistent as we possibly can when it comes down to working with those guys. So, uh, you know, I would say three is a safe number uh, of the zone runs that we take in, but, you know, we try when we install, we try to keep as many of those as close as we can and just do those tags with, with, with the H. You know, it might be a circle tag where he's just, you know, instead of going across the formation, we're running zone away from him. And he's basically circling to the linebacker to try to take that support player away in case our quarterback keeps it, uh, which is in, in truth is the exact same play as zone bluff, taking that H all the way back across, leaving the N unblocked and reading off of him too. So, you know, those there's so much carryover in our zone run game that I think, you know, I, I would feel pretty comfortable with running any of those plays. Uh, but like you said before, you know, you don't want to over game plan. You want to make sure you keep those to, uh, you know, a minimum and as consistent as you possibly can uh, with your players, so that they'll be comfortable running at a good pace and a good tempo. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today's first edition of our mailbag. Uh, if you have any questions, again, uh, you know, guys, we're, we 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 can talk about anything you want to, from offense, defense, special teams, game planning, program development. Uh, character development, whatever you want to talk about if, uh, or whatever you want to know about, just let us know. Again, uh, visit our website when you get a chance. That's www.footballcoachescorner.com. We have a lot of articles in there. Every one of our podcasts that we've ever released are in there. All the quick clinics that uh, Coach Brown does that are on our Twitter too. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can DM us, and that's at Corner. Or if you want to send us an email, if you have questions, we get a lot of questions through our email, and we try to uh, respond to those as quickly as possible. Uh, give us an e or shoot us an email at fbcoachescorner at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate your time and listening to us. Uh, praying for everybody to stay safe uh, and and do the right thing. And until uh, next time, continue to coach with pride, passion, and a purpose.